Tyler Bruce. Hey, I'm Pete. What's going on? Oh, not much tonight. We're just sitting down because tonight we're going to record a little bit for you. We are the... Big Experiment Podcast? Wait, why is this a question? I don't know. I forgot what we're doing. (laughs) I'm old like that. Bruce, Bruce, you came from teaching. You know, you went through the last few days teaching youngins how to do (laughs) things in French. and. Now you just threw me off with we, we that weird gap there you just did there. Anyway, um, so, uh, so ways to get a hold injuries. Of, all the head all injuries. All the head man. injuries? Man, I think 20 years of the referee. Doctor, man. Oh, yeah. anyway. So uh, if you like what you're hearing, um, maybe you tune us out already, but we are on the Lotus Council website and we're on various Discord servers as well as social media. Uh, that'll all be in the show notes. Bruce, uh, anything else that I missed here? I think I also have some head, head trauma. What's I up? Think got, I think we got the key okay. stuff. All right. All right. We're going to end right. the show. So we're, we're starting off with uh, Bruce's favorite segment with all the shiny things. Uh, what are we talking about? What are we doing here? New toys. I love it. All right. So tonight we're going to do some garbage or great. So we're going to start with a new card because I always find the new cards. I found this card, Wojek Investigator, which... Um, I opened in a pack yeah. and I thought, like, this looks interesting. So it's two and a white for a two-four angel detective. It's got flying and vigilance, and this is at the beginning of your upkeep. Investigate once for each opponent who has more cards in hand than you. Meaning, in a four-person paw, you could get as many as three clue tokens off. Yeah, you it. could with the greed. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, okay. So Pete, here's my reason, my thinking, and why this kind of appeals to me. If you're already playing a heavy white deck, you could very realistically be low on cards. We all know white draw struggles with some draw. Um, Esper buddy, Esper Sentinel only gets you so far. Um, sure. So you're going to need something to help you catch up on some cards. And this might be a really useful tool to do it. Now, my mm. worry here is that in order for you to keep taking advantage of this, and cash those investi- those clue tokens in for um, something really good, you're going to be playing a lot of cheap, small, probably low-impact things, and you're just looking to overwhelm your board, your opponents with like cheap stuff, really. Go, like, go wide, token-y, white nonsense. But I wonder, like, is that, is that really good enough to ma- warrant this playing? A- Otherwise, you just get like a yeah, so... kind of a questionable body. Uh, I don't like this card much because the conditions are pretty difficult to meet, especially if, like, you have to really think about what turn are you? Like, what in order are you? Are you in first? Are you in fourth? Are you in the middle? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it's all in the upkeep, right? So depending on what happens, say my opponent draws before me and plays two cards. Then he only. He, then I have six cards in hand potentially, and he has five, and the game's pretty early already, right? Yeah. Or on the flip side, I'm first in turn order, and say I'm ahead of everybody. I might not get anything just because of the fact that I'm first in in the turn order, mm-hmm. and vice yeah. versa. If I'm in fourth, there's a chance that again I might just be behind. Because there are times where, where, like, it's turn three or four, and I just haven't got the chance to play my fourth land to do something impactful. But everybody else has maybe two mana rocks out and two other yeah. permanents out that have done something to impact the game. Yeah. 
I think if you're able to like take advantage of the tokens, like the extra production, like if you're able to make a clue and then something else because you made the clue, you know what I mean? Those replacement effects, that's probably where this card might do some interesting things. Or if you're an artifact deck, like say you're playing um uh Oswald or something, or you're playing like certain Ooh, decks Oswald, right. that you could sack that clue token once and make something really impactful happen. That might be really good, but yeah, I just don't. Well, it's weird because it's not even like an artificer, right? Like it doesn't really have that creature no. type that really makes sense for its production of what it does. In my opinion, it just doesn't seem like it's detective. That's cute, but like I don't really, yeah. I don't really see it. So I know yeah, it was designed I mean, I, more so for standard purposes as a finisher and a way to like curve out. But mm-hmm. in this case, because uh, in standard, I would take this card, you know, ten out of ten because it's just yeah, yeah. It's invasive. It has good. St- it gets around all the removal in the set except like two things, um, and it's just a, a decent card in that format. But in this particular situation, I just don't see it being that impactful in EDH because it's so conditional. But that was my long and the short of it. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I think I think you're not wrong. I mean, I think I was just sort of thinking, like, what sort of deck do I want to play this in? Like, if you're right. playing white, you're playing like you're playing this a mono white. Like white weenie deck, okay, maybe, but why aren't we playing like this? Is, this goes your option number three to join welcoming vampire and mentor the meek, okay? Like how right. how much is that? That might be interesting mm-hmm. because you, you now you get a two four flyer. Delny cares about it, right? Right. Some, I was thinking that too. Like you got uh, some options there. You're playing you know green white. You got you get green white, and you got this. I like, get this going with. Tireless tracker, like the tireless tracker with this could be really interesting because sure. you now get you now get um, potentially two clues a turn. Yeah, um, and then you get a landfall trigger off your your, your tracker. Out. Like, yeah, go ahead. What if you did blue white and it was a control deck, and you use this as a way to maybe you're playing like inspiring statuary or you're doing something weird with tapping artifacts for extra sort of effects because those two colors is really where this card really fits. Um, or where it's supposed to be fit, and is it design level, right? I'm thinking it goes with green. I think this place is green. I think it really goes with green. All yeah, because right. well, I think you get things like Peregrine Took. Peregrine Took sure, in this. Sure, and yeah, you get, so and you, and you, you make foods and clues. Yeah, and you're a, playing uh, time, Timeless, uh, the other one, not Tireless Tracker, the uh, the one where land enters, you make a food or a clue or whatever. The Tireless Provisioner? Provisioner, yeah, yeah so that works yeah. too. yeah. So yeah. I'm thinking, like, I'm thinking that's okay. where that goes. The the green, the blue white, like tap your artifacts for mana. Like the it seems also got some interesting p- potential there. Um, also, like, mono white angels. But I mean, I'm like you. I think I'm pretty skeptical of this card. I think this is probably going to be a card that we sort of look at. Like I don't think I want to try it out. I think I've got a deck where I want to yeah. I want to try it and see how it fares. Yeah. I'm quite prepared to say. Maybe not because I don't. I don't think this is a long-term hold, but it could be a way to generate some extra advantage. And you know, maybe it triggers two or three times. You draw three or four cards. Like I was kind of sort of wondering, like how many times do I want to get the? How many times? How many clues do I want to get off this before I'm like, okay, I'm happy that I have the card. And yeah. I sort of figure I want. I want three clue tokens off of it in order, like not in one turn cycle, but like I, before it disappears off the board. I like clue three clue tokens. So before I feel good about this, because you get one, one clue, you break even. Two, you're like you're up a little bit, but by the third one, you're like, yeah, okay, I've got some advantage off this, and that seems strong. But 
I feel like the setup cost, like you said, is really high, and I'm not sure the impact of the body is actually that good. So, kind of medium on this one, and we'll yeah. see how it goes when it tests it. All right, the next card is a common from Saviors of Kamigawa, and, uh, you know, it's not that exciting until I was thinking about what you could do with it uh, because of the fact of its Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, okay. So, Descendant of Saramaro, Saramaro? I forgive me mm -hmm. if I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but three colorless and a blue. It's a human wizard, so it has very good applicability, and I'll tell you after I'm done reading the card. It, it's colorless and a blue. Look at the top X cards, where X is the number of cards in your hand, and put them back in any order. So I guess, do you want me to start, or do you want to go first, Bruce, for this particular? So card? I've looked at this card before, now as you mentioned it, and I'm like, oh, this card has actually got kind of got some interesting deck manipulation and but this goes in like to me a very controlling shell where and I kind of gonna be honest with you I kind of feel like it goes in like a counterbalance deck where you're playing counterbalance oh, and right. other yeah like I'm truly being a bad person here like I'm going to try and lock my opponents out from being able to cast you've been anything. doing too much vintage cube have you <laughs> I haven't done any vintage cube recently but uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> you're like, playing with me oh. right now dude. So counterbalance, like well, counterbalance just got reprinted on the list just recently. Right, I ended up, I remember. And so it's so that gave to give a whole flood of people access to a card that once upon a time would have been really hard to play. Right, and right, oh god, so people are going to like people are doing things with this with counterbalance again. Um, but you have also other top deck manipulation things where like maybe you're in Animatu or you're in like because this like this sim, like plays in a like as a budget version of like. A sensei's divining top, or um, like a scroll rack. Like they're it's way underpowered comparatively because you are paying four mana for a two three body. So four mana is way more than what sensei's divining top is. Like that is so like they're almost not even in the same ballpark. But the the effect is similar. So if you're playing on a budget, you want some talked up manipulation and you want to do some shenanigans, you've got some potential there to do some things. So I kind of. I, I've fooled around with the card myself, and I keep I keep going back to the conclusion it's too low impact, and I don't want to try it. Like I've like I've I've resolved it in games, and then I don't want to use the activation because I'd rather spend my mana on doing things that are going to impact the board. So, yeah. as much as I, I appreciate what the card can do, and I think that it could be kind of cute, I think what my can the my feeling keeps coming back to is that I don't think it actually is worth the slot on my deck. I like it because it combos with a zombie very nicely. Because yeah. you really only need like two or three wizards for that card to do some things. And then there's that merfolk where you tap seven wizards, you counter a spell or whatever. But I'm thinking of it more of like there's that new octopus um, that came out in one of the commander sets in the last like few weeks where it cares yeah, about the top deck. You know what I mean? Like how cool would it be to like play this card people are like what the heck is this and then you swing with the octopus you layer your whole deck and you get to cheat out a bunch of things for nothing um the other thing is these sort sites sorts sorts of effects like sensei's divining top and stuff uh scroll rack um things like that redundancy for these sorts of effects are strong like in the decks that can really take advantage of it like the mono blue sphinx that scries you draw cards instead um you know, blue Narset, green Elrond like, on a budget. Narset, of course, that's a very obvious one. Even like weird things with like uh, you can play stuff off the top. Like you could play this in blue green and play it with um, 
Vizier of the Menagerie too, realistically well, enough. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, like you could do some cool things. Even Sloger could potentially use this card. It's not a great card. You know, it dies to a lot of things, but people are gonna be like, "What the heck did you just do for two mana for only two mana?" Um, yeah, and and the Sloger deck has a propensity to fill its hands, so you could reset your whole deck. Which that's right. Because it's not really horrible. I mean, I don't know if you really wanted to go with that route, but there's definitely oh, like a little, a little abuse, it's a little, little abusive. Mana. It's a little expensive, but it's just also, cool because also slow. Yeah. If people out of respect for people's time, reordering yeah, your deck true. that frequently is kind of not may not be what you want to do. Just it's kind it, of a slow acting role. I think it's neat just because of the fact that there's not many effects. I was trying to fix like this that exist beyond of the obvious. And I, there's not that many because they realized like early on, like, hey, this is just a little too powerful for any sort of card game with this type of variance too. So this card excites me because obviously they've been trying to manipulate the top deck a little bit more recently. Like all the exile triggers, too. you could even play this in like an aggressive is it deck with with Inti and like Balmor or something, and you're trying to rip spells off the top too, so you don't have to rip yeah. lands off. You could play um. You know, Red has got a lot of that access now, where they're exiling his cards off the top oh. and stuff too. So, or that's like my, something that's like, my like consideration. Bolus is Citadel too, for sure. Yeah, blue black because I mean, even if this creature dies, like you could use Scarab God, right? You could use other ways to just. You don't have to even play it for four mana. You could okay, you like you're, you're, get it in for two. So, I think you're selling me on this card more and more because I've got a playset sitting, up, sitting upstairs someplace in a box. Yeah. It's like, it's box. why do people play Drifter if they can only play it once, right? They're going to try to play it three times in a game. Uh, yes, I do. I, I routinely play it for three times because I so, just thought Yeah, just I mean, I and uh, <laughs> I don't know, like even Riel might, might find a home for this card. Riel doesn't, the... have mana, Riel doesn't have mana for this. Like in Riel, that's true. You don't, ha you don't have time <laughs> to spend two mana to reorganize stuff. Too much. Like yeah. you, you're already burning all your mana on stuff. But like Bolas of Citadel would be really good because you're, like, mm -hmm. you're already using an alternative mana source to, yep. to cast spells, and you don't you're, want to rip. You're lanes. manipulating, and like, yeah. I mean, we talked about Time Sifter a few weeks ago. Yeah. Time Sifter. Yeah. The wizard is sifting time. I mean, that's the most iconic thing I could think of. I think yeah. I was I think I was putting it in the wrong sort of build. So you got me sort of like the the blue Thank black bulls are turning thing. thing. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. bulls of citadel like that. Sure. There's sort of like some <laughs> some perverse part of me is like, yes, let's do that. Let's try that this. Awesome. Or like, I mean, I would let's, be petty with this card, and I would activate it in response to like, I don't know, someone cracking a fetch or something. Yeah, you know I mean, because I'm just I'm just that kind of guy. So. Anyway, um, speaking of anti-heroes in the magic universe, uh, we're going to go deeper into lore today, Bruce. Mm -hmm. Something yeah. we have in uncharted territory in our short time together. It is, that's true. As you and I are both of, like, we were talking about it, like, we don't dive deeply into the lore, but yet we're both, we appreciate what it offers us because, we you know, it. it's sort of... In a it, secret well, way. It, well, a yeah, way. we sort of... No, not dirty. Like it's not dirty. No, in but, terms like, of like, sorry, that was the wrong word. Like, that was the wrong <laughs> word. But like, uh, like, but like, it does. It de definitely the lore definitely impacts how you know commander players of all sorts build decks because you, you want if you're looking yeah. to match a theme, then you're looking to find like sure, like you might find pieces that go together based on the story lore 
instead yeah. of you know whether the same creature type or card type or whatever. So the lore definitely filters into even players who are not deeply rooted in the lore. And so it's probably worth our while. Like, I mean, I have to say, I even periodically check in on the lore and like, what have I missed? Like, what's the story? What? Why? Yeah. Why are we? Why are we right now at Karlov Manor checking it all out? Because that's the latest set. Like, and and mm-hmm. some of the stuff like that. As I go through phases where I'm interested in what's happening, and then every once in a while, I sort of Step less interested in what's sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so my my experience with the lore in general was. I had no no idea because I was very sort of hesitant to even get into this game because it wasn't really something that I had been exposed to at any point in my life until I went to to school and I had a friend who just was very open to sharing that he w- had collected this stuff over the course of his, you know like ten years or whatever when he started playing the game when he was like eight or whatever ten and now he's like in his twenties but um. The only other experience I've had with lore was when I got to a draft and people were talking about War of the Spark. And then later, I bought a book this past year that I found in a library, in like a used library for like a dollar or two. It's one of those original uh, books they bought that they wrote for Mirrodin Block, Bruce. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I, I got that for like three bucks somewhere in Ohio. And that was cool because we, like, my girlfriend really likes to read and the person i was with his partner likes to read too so we went to this and we were just wandering around this store because we're not very studious people and i was like whoa i found this book and and we were trying to like for the whole time we were trying to see if they had any more because it kind of got swept swept under the rug you know the last few years unfortunately well i mean i do think i mean i i do remember the old novels like the old novels and i remember having friends that when i was in high school that were really invested in the lore and it being exciting and um you know the stories of 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 urza and mishra and then the weatherlight and that sort of stuff that was like that was cool stuff um and i think the um, the lore at that stage was was pretty well developed through those through those through the books that came out periodically. Mm-hmm. Now, I recognize publishing books is challenging. So it's expensive and yeah. yeah. And, there's not many resources be- for that anymore. But also our the IP is not as strong as some of the other I mean, if you're gonna go buy, pick up high fantasy, are you gonna go pick up Tolkien or are you gonna pick up Lord, like Wizards of the Coast? Even books? even like even like, like Warhammer super regulated, right? So like they can't just yeah. write so- certain things; they have to adhere to some sort of standard. Where Wizards really not trying to be that negative Nancy today, but Wizards kind of doesn't have a standard. <laughs> that sounds it, 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 really it wavers, bad. It wavers greatly. There's no doubt about it. It yeah, wavers greatly depending on who the author is, for sure. The depth of the storyline that they used to have versus it's like teaching a toddler how to play Beethoven, right? Like, like the level of in- intellectual sort of thought process to me is sort of, oh, wow. I don't know. I don't want to be too harsh because there's been some pretty would, would, cool would, stuff recently too. Yeah. You know? I, would argue, I would definitely would argue that the, the level of depth that went into the, 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 the lore previously back, let's call it 20 years ago, Mm-hmm. would be more robust than what we're currently finding today being published. That doesn't mean that today's not interesting or compelling sure. or or things that that warrant being I really read. do like the diversity, right? Because they mm-hmm. really ha- they had a problem for the longest time with diversity representation in general um in this 
sort of storyline. So that's good, right? That that's a positive. Um and I mean there's some pretty good writers out there still too. I heard the the murders uh plotline was actually pretty cool. Some of the Capenna stuff was interesting too. I remember recently in the last few years too. For uh, sure. So, yeah, I mean, I guess to start off, Bruce, I know you have some favorite planes that you've traveled to. Um what 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 do you, what what's your like all-time favorite so my all-time favorite and I, I don't know how other people feel about it my all-time favorite was was tarkir i think when we and cons of tarkir and fate reforged and uh dragons of tarkir that was by far and away my plane that i i was invested the most in uh learning about the lore um now at the time uh which was 2014 2015 something like that yeah, it was 2015 10 years ago yeah, about 10 years ago, there the the pace of the sets was a little bit slower. So we had a set in the fall, one in the winter, one in the yep. one in the springtime. As the seasons come, the cards come, right? Yeah, and on top of it, it was all <laughs> one the, the block was three sets long instead of today yep. where we get one. So we had most of a year to soak in the lore and understand what was going on. The, you know, the internal politics, all of the sort of ways that like, okay, these color combinations work this way because of the reasoning behind mm-hmm. the Lord. Yeah. It was very intertwined. It was very fixated, right? Yeah, and well, on top, and, on, and on top of it, we had time to digest and like think about what's happening rather than just having them advance so you quickly to the next You create that personal story. attachment, right? Like you have, yeah, you're like, oh, I really, really like this character. I really hate this character. And here's why. You could like chat with your friends at draft night, you know what I mean, at Friday Night Magic or something. Absolutely. I remember <laughs> one of the stories, and I don't remember which for which blo- for set particularly, but I remember it was a story about Soren, because Soren is one of the characters that's in the story of Tarkir. And yeah. he meets some, I, I guess there's some some bandits or somebody on, on one, of the, one of the mountainsides as he's looking for Ugin's tomb. And... Yeah. Um, and they, 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 you know, they want to get rid of him or whatever, so they threaten they're going to kill him. Well, Soren reaches back into his magic and probably kills two of them, uh, leaving the third guy like sort of dumbfounded. Then he probably reanimates the two that he's just killed and uses them to kill the third guy. And I'm like, that's like, brutal. It's, it's pretty dark. I'm like, oh, that's like, like a Mortal Kombat, fa- fa- you know, fatality or something. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, fatality. oh, that is, that's kind of, that's kind of dark and like but it's cool right like yeah yeah it's just the way that you don't think about that sort of you know interaction right (laughs) and uh and then there were some of the descriptions of like how the people of tarkir lived in the fear of these dragons like you know during fate reforged like like that to me was compelling like like what would a world look like with dragons and not just like like puff the magic dragon but we're talking like actual this is like, like Killer dragons. Like they're worshiping them like gods. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah. literally like considered gods on this plane. It's it's almost like if like dinosaurs were here and we were worshiping them. Like still, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean in that sense. How, how would that feel? How would that be? What sort of world would that be? And I thought like that was really interesting as a as a sure. as a place to to look at a plane because you know so many other planes resemble Earth, right? Like you go to yeah, like Theros. Capenna, yeah. Theros, you know, Almanket. There's a lot of, uh, you know, historical uh, backing to some of this stuff. Yeah. Like, they did a good and job of looking at, like, okay, what did they dress like in, you know, in ancient Greece or ancient Egypt or in Capenna? Like, the the Roaring Twenties was really, like, the inspiration for this set. Yeah. 
know yeah. what I mean? It, the Industrial Revolution was basically the, yeah, and the mafias. And, so you know what I mean? And Tarkir was one. Like, yes, Tarkir got his fair share of criticism because yeah. of the fact that it based itself on loosely on the empires of the Far East. So you have, you know, the yeah, so their their sort of a representation could be misconstrued because yeah. of the, you know the racial undertones and some of the other serious sociological situation. You know, I mean, yeah, let's not dive too much into but, that. You know, no, sticky situation but, there, but but the concept of a world. Where there are dragons that you that you that are like and you, you like, sacrifice stuff to like you're yeah. like we have to appease them you know or they'll eat us like that's just yeah, exactly like, kind of brutal kinda, that's, that's a brutal way that's to live yeah it's a whole different world. we think so, we're bad when we can't pay the rent on time but at least the dragon's not going to come down from their perch and like you know rip us into shreds you know what I mean yeah oh what happened to cousin Michael yeah he uh yeah. he stepped outside one day and uh knocked over the trove exactly he knocked over the treasure trove and the, the dragon came down and just kind of ate him and his foot's yeah. left over you know what I mean like, yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> so, like, speaking yeah. of mangled body parts my favorite plane is Instrad because of the fact that I loved a lot of the old sort of horror undertones but also just the fact that like you didn't really know what to expect there. It was like it was like you'd kind of roll the dice to see, like, you know, will these humans survive or not? You know, and like the fact that angels were turning on humans as well is just kind of crazy to me to think about, right? Because right? you would think that they would be more in the piety realm, you know. Now, were you in, did you like like original Innistrad that was like true gothic horror in the sense, or did you like the eldritch horror of Shadows over Innistrad? All of it, man. Like, I love the progression of that plane because of the fact that like first it's just zombies and werewolves and like the atypical sort of oh this is like like you know all of the old horrors like books and you know Stephen King sort of thing, but then you have like flying spaghetti monsters that eventually come and wreck up the whole place i mean it's just funny to me right because the running joke is like a million squirrels overtook one of the most powerful beings in the whole universe but yet that does not sound too far-fetched with this sort of craziness that occurs like this is literally like rl stein meets you know <laughs> meets okay. Stephen King or something so like you know yeah. I think it's I think it's it's fun. I have to say, like I did appreciate the 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 Eldritch Horror component of Shadows of Innistrad block. I thought that was really neat, and I liked I liked the transformation that the the angels exhibited. That mm-hmm. to me was very compelling. You have is this this stalwart guardian in in Avacyn yeah. that we spent so much then, effort to try and release in Avacyn. The corruption of everything. The, like it's just yeah. a very depressing place. But at the same time, there's always this infinite hope that like someone's going to come out of this. And they're going to be able to relinquish, you know, the problems that they're facing. And the fact that, like, they still hunt monsters there. <laughs> they still the hunt Cathar monsters, still man. The Cathars still do. They still now, hunt I monsters. Say, I will say, the third trip back... You couldn't pay me, man. Now, you couldn't pay me to hunt monsters, man. Like, no, I don't care how true. much, I'm how, not, many, I'm not, how many freaking gold coins I get for that. Like, not going that in is, now. like, the demented side of... D&D, right? It's like we're getting paid to basically probably get our hands cut off and our head cut off for trying to fight this six foot four werewolf or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I will say I, I didn't like the third trip back in Crimson Vow and... Yeah, it wasn't um, wasn't very developed. It, it was, I don't know, canned, right? 
it it did it did not feel as well as well developed. You're absolutely correct. It and was missing some of the the component that was actually like made Innistrad cool. But I like the first two visits. I thought were super neat. Fair. I'm like like I thought they were really interesting. I really enjoyed them. Um, they were my again not my all time favorite, but I definitely appreciate what was happening. Um, I my fascinate. I was captivated by the flip the the flip creatures, the ones that would transform. Yeah, all the very various Denic iterations. Was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Okay, so and, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, like, if we're on this plane, I mean, my favorite, one of my favorite characters that doesn't have a lot of background is Old Rutstein because it's my favorite deck I'm running right now. But also, mm. he's the guy that you have to go to to get like magical weapons so you can fight these monsters. So it's absolutely hilarious because he's just some dude that like somehow survives everything. But still is there to like try to sell you like a faulty crossbow. It's like like in the in like in some of the cards, there's a card that says like he's like quoted as saying this this probably works. You know what I mean? Which yeah, is hilarious. Yeah. I mean, I think it was like a like a like a silver like uh like spike like one of the uh, like like common equipments in one of the older sets or something. Right. The joke is like he pulls stuff out of his sack. You're not sure what you're gonna get, and you're not sure what magical properties this thing is getting. So it's basically like right. he's rolling fate with you. Yeah, if you're rolling dice. You're like shooting craps with this guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of really interesting, really interesting characters on Innistrad generally. Um, I have to, I will say, I was disappointed how they did Odric in the end. I thought they did Odric dirty, where he they kind of got murked, and I'm like, what? Yeah, it was, it was like, like the, he's literally the greatest warrior of that realm. Like he can't yeah. die, and then he just and, dies. And, and, like, all right, and cool. They, they just they just <sighs> off with some, with some random vampire we'd never heard of before. I'm like Henrika Dothraki. Who's that? Like that, who's yeah. that character? And he had it's such just, a development too, right? Like he was a very key yeah. crucial part of those two storylines, and then he just killed him off. And I'm like, cool, nice. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, it was like such a letdown. I'm like, oh, why did you? Why did you Brr. like let this guy just die off like that? So yeah. like Odric, like Odric, master tactician was. I don't even. It wasn't even in. Wasn't even in Innistrad as a card. It was a card from um, Magic thir- twenty thirteen. So it was ancillary to the set already. Like it was just. Yeah. So they didn't even stick it in the set, and it was like just in this the core set and then like you know so like it was outside of that they're like yeah we're gonna put this really cool commander is gonna be outside of it and and then he's gonna like come save the plane and then oh we're just gonna off him with some vampire i'm like what that's anyway <laughs> that's silly so anyway yeah and i mean i what, there was um, like I, I do you remember that i'll only I'll ever forget reading the story yeah. for the gitrog monster like they read the gitrog monster which is like a, basically like there's a village that's been captivated by this this freaking the monster. frog monster that eats everything, yeah, yeah, and it's like, and like they're 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 feeding people to appease the monster, and and like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what? Oh like, my god, is... it's like it's like a it's like a grim fairy tale. I think they literally designed this plane like a grim fairy tale, which makes yeah, sense because probably. most people don't know that a lot of these fairy tales that we know, like in you know movies, oh, they're TV, dark, man. they're super demented, man, like. They were meant to like scare kids to, so they won't freeze in the cold in Siberia. You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, well, like, I mean, like, I, I you know, like the story of Little Red Riding Hood, we all cherish like this great story, but like, if you actually read the Grim, the Grim yeah, Mother's well, story, we'll get into terrifying. it tonight, but you know, <laughs> and then, oh my goodness. So, anyway, 
beyond the nightmares, there's there's also some really interesting like hard like metal. I don't want to say metal, but like characters that have had a lot of struggles that have some super interesting sort of evolutions, good and bad, right? So like yes. What what is your what is your example? Because I have one that I just learned about today that I wanted to share. Well, so I've I've got a number of characters. Again, many of them sort of stem from my the fact that I really do enjoy uh, the Tarkir block. And so I found many of the characters there are very compelling. Um, I thought Nars uh, Narset was one that really appealed to me, um, and not even so much for the fact that like the original Jeskai colored like character, the three two that as such a terror in CDH if it gets to pop off is is so good like, but it's when like you see it you see her as a character in the original cons here and then we have time travel and whatever happens when we revisit re the plane in, in dragons of here and now she she's a instead of being jessica color she's blue white and now she's a planeswalker and not just a and not just a creature I, I to me that sort of character development over the two is really compelling to see the two and now narset has continued to be part of the game where we see Narset, the part of Reveils from uh, War of the Spark, and you know, wouldn't surprise me if Narset pops up, you know, in other places before we she eventually gets faded out into re and replaced with some other command or other planeswalker. So I think Narset is really interesting. Um, Anna Fenza is also really interesting mm -hmm. uh, because you see her initially in Kazutarkir as this very militant, uh, aggressive creature. She's like. At the time, you got to remember, 2015, if three mana 4-4 four, four was absolutely massive. It was just chunky. Massive, it yeah, was a massive chunky. creature. And it could and, make itself bigger, which was kind of nuts. Yes. Like, it would make itself bigger. It would gobble up a graveyard. And it works it with was, the storyline because of the fact that she just kept going at it, right? She, yeah. Like, and, she was relentless. And the Abzan, because of their nature as, and as, as one of the dragons put it, I remember, the, I think Dramoka and Dagatar are exchanging a, a conversation during Fate Reforge, and, and Dramoka says that as a dragon, she fundamentally opposes the Abzan so, so much because she doesn't believe in necromancy. She doesn't think it's right. And sure. Dagatar is taken aback. He's like, what? What do you mean I'm a necromancer? I'm not a necromancer. He's like, well, you honor the spirits of the dead and the spirits answer to you, which is true. Like, if you think about the Abzan use the spirits of their ancestors yeah. to they help. make spirits. No, it's funny because yeah. like some of the and, cards literally will make spirits. That's the joke, right? Yeah. Like, and, and answer so, the and, call to the dead. Yeah. And so right. Dramoka is, you know, comes out and says like, we, we as dragons don't like this idea of you being necromancers. And so you see it like this, this tension, tension between the, yeah. yeah, yeah, and right. but then when you see her okay. Anafenza at the end, Anafenza mm -hmm. is a spirit that like she has died and she is now she's like yeah she's fighting for others how they used to fight for her so it's like a very yeah. beautiful sort of arc yeah yeah so it's kind of like a nice nice development mm -hmm. it's unfortunate like they're, they're like both like sorry um, Anafenza is rooted to Tarkir like we're not going to likely see yeah Anna she's Fenza probably not have a spark or anything like that um, no. at the time being narset might and which means you sure. we could see narset appear again somewhere else and i'm kind of excited to see her mm -hmm. evolution what, too what they try to do yeah so my my say too is um i really liked weatherlight's story i know that's very old but it was one of the best written in my opinion so grevin is is grevin's storyline is interesting because 
you got the Weatherlight, right? The ship. And Volrath wants the ship. And Grevin is kind of subjugated to serve Volrath. And he's, like, tortured. So, the ir- irony of the card that they made, like, about ten years ago, uh, is that he was just... He, he's, he's tortured by Volrath. And then, later, when they make the Rakdos version... He enhances himself with augmentations, right? He starts to like lose his mind and become more machine than man as like that progresses. So the card evolves and then also the ability of him buffing himself evolves, right? Because you sacrifice a creature at a cost, lose life, and also buff him. So it's like an interesting he's a commander, but also he's a slave. Which is ironic. You know, because normally commanders will will be the ones telling everyone else what to do. But in this case, he is a servant, and he's unable to escape. And he's conflicted by this pain that he feels. So, um, I don't know, it just, it just, there's a lot of, like, anti-heroes that have these weird, and he's not really necessarily one, but he was not all that bad. You know, like like, he at least... He was trying to gain his freedom, you know what I mean? So it's interesting that right. yeah. it didn't work out that way for him. But um, the other one that I wanted to speak on is Tevis Zot. So, so there's a character in the lore through uh, Sarpedia, like so the Sarpedian Empire, um, which is very old. It's like Fallen Empires and, and, Dar- and the Dark Ages and Ice Age and it, stuff. It, yeah, long time so ago. Very, now. very old. So Tev Longenglade, okay? Tev Longenglade became this thing called Tevisat, right? Because his sister gets murdered by like a rival um because the rival didn't like him and and like his lover also gets killed or something. So he goes into like he descends into madness and becomes Rocks. He becomes Tev- so literally he 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 murders like all these people with a fireball. So he just kind of burns everyone to crisp and burns himself in the process. So he kind of is just becomes like this black sort of like looming thing, right? And then he just tries to just destroy every civilization on his plane. So he goes into this hell bent rage of like if nobody ha- if I can't have it nobody can. So he just starts pitting people against each other, killing off civilization throughout. And then Fraley's comes in and fights them. So it's interesting because oh. their, their their cards are very they're very opposite. Fraley's is about making things, and Tevish is about sacrificing things for value. So it's Ooh. very very interesting that like they have this internal battle, and they've been doing this for a long time. They're actually like thought as of gods on the on the plane or like opposite forces like the yin and yang of this plane right in dominaria as as well as through various storylines they've sort of came into the fold and then disappeared like he was banished to chandelar and then came back and then like got banished again or kicked out or whatever so it's interesting what they might do with them in the future if they even decide to go back to that sort of storyline but there's like a lot of depth to both of their characters as they've started to fight each other and why they fight each other beyond just the fact that like Tevish is like a, I want to destroy everything. And Freelis is like, I want to keep people alive um, and, and grow or whatever. So that's, that's my long and the short of it. Cause like the lore itself is so deep. I'm just going into bare bones of it. 
Yeah, I know um, for sure. And and like looking yeah. at it, like there, there's a there's some pretty. I'm looking at it here as well too. I don't. I really didn't know anything about it either. And the reality being, like you know, like I've heard of the nine titans that Urza used to help fight uh, against. He was actually against- part of that too. He's like interesting that he has, you know, Tevish has been in these sorts of main sort of arcs, but sort of in the background of it, not necessarily for the main focus of the play. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, which is kind of interesting, like, is, I mean, we've heard about the Titans, but, like, Freilis, we've heard of Tevishad, you know, we've right. heard of Windgrace, and, like, and uh, and we don't know much about these par- these characters, you know, until we get cards and updated mm-hmm. new, like, you know, I wouldn't, I had, I remember the card, like, Tevishad right. being on the name of cards when I was mm-hmm. a kid playing yeah. an Ice Age, and I never thought, I never, never dawned on me that and this character was part of, it, actually, the good guys fighting right. with Urza. Right, right. And the the historical significance is interesting because this is based on, like, the Dark Ages of, of mankind. So, like, the Dark and Ice Age is, like, technology kind of shut off, and they didn't have any technology, and, like, things were lost, right? So, like, there were periods of history where humans, like, go through this cycle where we kind of hit a peak, techno- like, technologically, and then we start to, like, sort of fall and then we come back up, right? So it's like this sort of cyclical thing. And that's kind of like how the magic storyline has gone, right? It, it's like a period of growth, a period of decay, and then the growth comes out again through, I don't know, Phyrexians, <laughs> through through bad and good. Phyrexians, yeah. uh, Eldrazi. And then you've got like the really cool stuff, like the the political nature of Ravnica and like you have a lot of other sort of nuanced civilizations that also be, could be swept away in a moment, right? So you could bring them back in a moment too, which is the beauty of the the lore, right? Like, no one's actually truly dead. I mean, they're dead, but like, you know what I mean? You could bring them back, whatever. One of my favorite we, we did, we did, we, did without, we did it with Elsbeth, right? We, we right. killed Elsbeth, yeah. and we were able to free her. Now, we all sort of suspected it was going to happen because... In yeah. Greek mythology, the, the the underworld is not a forever place. Um, yeah. Whereas in some of the other, you're talking to planes, me about Greek mythology. Come on. Well, I'm I mean, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> but um, my one of my favorite sm- smaller arcs that I hope they return to in the next few years is Lorwyn and Morningtide because not only did they mm-hmm. show that in the card art and the style with the double pips and the way that they evol- like evolved characters by the Aurora corrupting them. But I really love like certain characters just like kind of went ravenous for a sec and then they toned it down. They're like, wait, this pollution didn't actually it, like enhance you in a different way instead of making you like, you know, suffocating. So like, I think they were, uh, whoever wrote that story was probably really focused on environment- environmentalism, right? Because the idea right. that like the plane was corrupted by this like pollution and it changed the entire like species line and like everything sort of changed so like i want them to make sig cuz sig is literally he's like the heir to hold on i'm going to pull it up because it's really cool like if they made that the name of him and like if he was the next so sig has a uh, blue white card because he used to be a like a fairy he would ferry people across like this river right then he got corrupted by the aurora and became black and became like a pirate <laughs> but he, oh, he was a rogue. oh cool but he was a pirate right and then after that um he's actually supposed to be called the heir to morning tide 
That's what his Ooh. title's supposed to be. So I'm hoping that they bring him back as like the king of the Merfolk in Morning Tide, or he becomes like the main protagonist. Because I think they should produce a redemption arc for him. Because he sort of was corrupted by the pollution, kind of went a little psychotic, and then he just chilled out. And now they didn't really say what happened to him. Well, so he's I, still I, alive. I would love it if they went back to Morning Tide just generally, because I mean they went back to. I find like the second trip back is usually compelling, particularly when something's been so sure. far back. So we did it right. with, with uh, Kamigawa. The original Kamigawa sets were kind of panned for being kind of It was very like anime-esque and like very sort of like stereotypical, unfortunately, right? Like the way that they sort of developed the names. Yeah. And so when we went back to Kamigawa in, in Kamigawa it, Neon it was, like, it was like It was like, it was like a cyberpunk. <laughs> it was cyberpunk. It was cyberpunk. They did such a great job of, of revitalizing this thing. They did. They really did. It was really neat with like the way that they produced. It was like a modernized samurai. And I'm like, that's yeah. that's sick. That's like actually yeah. really cool. So, and I, I, I find like most of the time, the one block sets don't really do yeah. a great job of helping us tell a story. But on Kamigawa, we we're able to tell the story and see the revitalization of the plane. So I would Mm -hmm. love to see them do morning tide again and And show the the impact because I think what happened last, if I'm not mistaken is basically like, okay, Una is pretty much like trying to take over. I don't know what Una's doing. I just know Una is a really powerful card and I don't really know any more than that. So like Una, Una like helped some characters only because she wanted the power like that they were fighting over. She's like very like manipulative, which is interesting. But um basically like they were fighting over this thing called I think it's called the Crescent or something. It's like a really underdeveloped like plot line, right? Because they really didn't get enough time to to sink into this stuff. But Marilyn Marilyn was there, right? And then mm-hmm. They're sort of like trying to figure out, um, like how to balance this shard, I guess, whatever this like thing, this like artifact, this sure. thing called the crescent. I don't know. So it's just interesting that that world also is really interesting because it's like everyone's super short, right? Well, yeah, you have your kithkin and you have got your, your, your fairies your, your and your folk goblins. And your everyone's probably whatever. like three feet tall, right? <laughs> If you think about yeah, really, it, yeah, and so someone like Garrett <laughs> shows up, and he's like a giant, and he's just smacking people with his axe because, I mean, like, he's the most bloodthirsty man I think in the in the multiverse. Like, the dude literally wants to just murder everything, all civilization, boom, gone. I'm serious. You should you should I, look it up. No, seriously. I, I, dude, I looked at his stuff, and I in in Throne of Eldraine, I actually bought the 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 ebook, and I read it from cover yeah. to cover, and yeah. um, I thought. There was a little bit of development to to Garrick that we hadn't seen before that I think was sort of underappreciated, where he the curse was lifted because he died in the cauldron of eternity, returned him to life, and it. But you know, you you still have the hunter mentality that he had that was he was like the apex predator of everything. He preyed on mm-hmm. the world. Um, and you still have that component, but you have more of the humanity returning to to Garrick. Um, and so, because I, I actually really was hoping that when we next saw Will and Ar- Ar- Arwen, that's just, just, yeah. 
Will and, no, not Arwen. Um, it's Will and um, Rowan. Ro- Will and Rowan. Rowan. Yeah, yeah. I was hoping that whenever we see Will and Rowan, that Garrick wouldn't be far behind because in the story at the end of the Throne of Eldraine, the kids planes walk away, and yeah. Garrick planes walks after them, presumably to act as a, a chaperone or as a protector. And sure. then, so where did he end up? Right? We didn't. We don't yeah, know. Where, Maybe he got like drifted go? out or whatever. But um, yeah, so like, there's a lot of there's a lot of potential, you know. And Garrick didn't show up during any of the stuff with the Phyrexians. So out right. there somewhere in the multiverse is Garrick with his and wolves. he's uh, he's probably killing things left, right, and center. He's got trophies galore. So I would love to see where Garrick ends up. I'd love to see Morning Tide. I think revitalizing that plane would be super cool. Um, I I don't know about. I don't know about some other the planes that we have we have we visit visited but haven't gone back to like um, Conflux and Shards of Alara. Like I don't know yeah. about Alara. I don't. I think Alara sort of went through a cataclysmic collision of the of of the of the five shards. So is that really a plane that's feasible for us to revisit? I don't know. Um, but you know, you got that sort of. I'd like to see Kaldheim be re-explored more more in mm-hmm. depth because I think that was a mm-hmm. plane that was. Way grossly under underdeveloped because of the fact that we were trying to rush into the the lead into the the story the with yeah well leading into After the the Frexian yeah. arc of stories Take over or whatever um but I think Baldur's I think, Gate too they haven't done anything with that which I mean I well, loved those cards Baldur, right and I understand well, that's part of I know that's part of D and D really yeah but but, but I, to be I fair. Think you're, I, I, well, I think you have lots of potential to explore that as a, as a, as, as a property. A, as a, yeah, and then I mean, Kaldheim, I really liked the Nordic sort of cultural yeah, things. It's cool, although, because yeah. that's one thing they haven't touched on is that. But also, I think they should look at they should look a little bit more into um, some other smaller like like nuanced cultures, you know, for inspiration instead of the big ones. Like the big civilizations, I think that would also help develop. You know, like those. There's like villages in like um, like remote villages in like you know Nepal or whatever. Or like there's um, there's like certain areas of the world that are untouched by technology still. Like people that yeah. don't have that don't have. They're still hunting with spears. You know what I'm saying? Like there are still people mm-hmm. out there that have no access to technology. Um, like like that we know so. I think they've done a good job, though. I guess overall, of like uh, using the history of our world to produce this product. I think they've done a very good job, exceptional job, with like tying things in sociologically, uh, you know, historically, um, politically, sometimes even. Right? Like they get mm-hmm. pretty de- pretty dense with the story back in the day with like the factions and like you know the the general sort of chaos that can come from people that want and seek power, right? Yeah. That's a theme yeah, yeah. Right? throughout all no, these planes. And... Over and over and over again. Um, mm-hmm. I, I also think, I, I, I do think they've done a good job. I think I would like to see more effort devoted to doing the, building the IP. I would, part of me would love to see them decide to roll out a cartoon or an anime or some sort, like something that is, visually representing I mean, critical role did it right like critical role did a really good job with theirs mm-hmm. um there's an amazon show that is it's critical roles storyline 
if they if they did if they did like different seasons but it was like three episodes each and it was like the storyline like the main storylines right they did like weather light to keep it simple right you don't want to do like a hundred episodes probably well i i I think the nice part about it because you could jump from plane to plane to plane you could have a season of six or eight six or eight episodes and like wrap it up boom next Mm -hmm. next plane how they all connected right at the end because a ton of characters have bounced between planes very easily not just planes walked but have been exiled have been you know somehow sucked through a portal you know what i'm saying yeah, so yeah like it'd be cool to see I, that and i mean we you'd you if you i mean i remember as a kid that's sort of what happened with doctor who every like right. doctor who would be you'd have six or eight episodes in one one space and then he'd climb in the targets and just mm. do doctor I mean, the who beauty, somewhere else the beauty of 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 this fantasy sort of lore is nothing's off the table yeah. regarding the yeah. potential of these characters to, to be developed and grow. I mean, nobody wants a character who just kicks everyone's butt. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's boring. Yeah. And vice versa, nobody wants a character that's always, like, very one-dimensional and, like, oh, I... Like, um, some of the superhero villains that we've seen in, like, over the years, right? In, like, oh, cartoons I, and movies. I know? have a hot take here. I have a hot take. One of my <laughs> one of my least favorite car- like superheroes is Superman. Superman, because I... Of the, there's not much going on with the struggle, well, right? I find, yeah, like I find, like basically for much of Superman's existence, he's been in- incorruptible. You cannot corrupt Superman, and I find actually it's really interesting where now DC is exploring this idea of injustice, where Superman, mm-hmm. you know, decides that he's going to seize power and he's going to be sure. the dictator of for the world because he can, and mm-hmm. that and and how. Various superhero like I find how this explored. Well, yeah. I was just gonna to finish to round off the conversation overall, I find that like if we ins- if we take inspiration from historical figures that were relatively complicated, because not everybody's really terrible and not everybody's really good. We're very gray as people. Mm-hmm. So you can tell like when they took these historical figures and sort of transposed them into this arc, you know what I'm saying? Like some of the leaders definitely have like Caesar qualities, right? Like some of yeah. the leaders definitely have like the um, sort of Napoleon-esque sort of idea ideals when they were going to fight other tribes or other sort of factions. So like, I really appreciate the fact that they have war and they have peace, but they keep it, or they did keep it at that time, more gray area related. Like they're fighting over resources that are very limited or a tragedy, a natural disaster happens and causes problems. But yeah. It's not just random raids, you know what I'm saying? So if they are able to do that, because I felt like they really pitted it, oh, the Frexians are the bad guys and these other characters are the good guys and that's it. And it's very like, very canned and there's not really like that sort of motivation to keep it gray which i think is how it's going to keep the story compelling uh, uh, no argument here i think the more nuance you can you can build into your characters and and the source of your conflict then the more the more interesting the the story can become because it's not just a question of good versus evil it's you know it's motivation it, it's yeah. like it's like it doesn't have to be a sob story either like you don't have to have a character who's like you know parents are killed in like an ambush he seeks vengeance on the tribe that killed his family. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be like Terminator, or sorry, um, the Punisher style, right? Yeah. It could, simply, it could simply be the dude ran out of money and he was desperate. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like, or, or it could just be like the people were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, which mm-hmm. that happens a lot more often than we would think or care to admit. So mm-hmm. I think, granted, I, I'm excited for the future. I mean, they just did a ton of spoilers today. We should quickly mention that they did a ton well, of spoilers at, at MGG yeah. Con and uh, the IPs that are coming out. I'm not going to say names because some people love it and some people hate it. So, um, But one of my favorite video games is now going to be in Magic, and I don't know what to say about that. So, Is that, is uh, that a, a Assassin's Creed? Yeah, I love those games, man. Uh, I love the history of that stuff, even though it's not, you know, obviously accurate. But just the depth that they provided um, was a very wonderful storyline. So, anyway, the lore—I mean, I—I'm going to dive deeper now that I have a little bit more time on my hands. Um, and I'll probably put it on the ba- in the background when I'm doing other things, or driving right. or something, because I think that gives me more appreciation of like what cards I'm going to include in my decks. You know, because there's some really funny Easter eggs you can put in your decks. Based on people's stories and characters' paths. Absolutely. Well, everybody. Um, well, uh, hold know. on. Before before we get dip, we should probably let people know. So we're in the show notes. Goes. We're gonna put some links to some resources that. Yeah. yeah we sorry, like I to, forgot about that. <laughs> that, we, that we like to frequent uh, if we're gonna catch up on the lore. Um, some of them are YouTube channels. Some of them are websites uh, with uh, with stories or with breakdowns or summarization of the story. So if you want to catch up on some of this, you're interested in, 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 in engaging with us in a conversation uh, f- further about this stuff. I mean, you can go and find a lot of, a lot of inf- information. We're by no stretch of the imagination, lore experts or no, people we're very who are, nov- we're very limited in our scope. We're, we're not, we're novices in this regard, but it doesn't mean we can't enjoy it. And so can you. So, if you're interested, you're welcome to go check out the links. We will put them in the show notes. You can go and refer to them as you want. Or if you find other great resources you want to share with us that we have we haven't listed, please let us know. We'd love to find out. Uh, you know, some other great. There's lots of great people out there talking lore, just like there's lots of people talking commander and standard mm-hmm. and all the other great formats that are going in this, in this cool the, game. So lots to explore. The beauty of this too is, I mean, some people they love this game and this lore so much that they have their own fan made lore. Which sometimes is even better than what's released. Sure. So, I mean, I haven't got much into those weeds. I'm going to just stick with <laughs> what they've written so far because there's yeah, only so much that my brain can comprehend because, you know, there's just there's so much depth. There's just so much depth. They, they, really, they really went ham back in the 90s and the 2000s when it came to this stuff. So, as we approach the, uh, the next advent of this game, I'm sure... I'm sure we're going to be split. You know what I mean? We're always going to be split in what we th- we think subjectively is lore that's worthy of our time. Yeah. So Agreed. <laughs> well, I, I think that's a wrap for this week. We're very excited Indeed. to uh, you know bring a little bit more spice to the channel here and stay tuned for next week. Thanks for Indeed. Thanks for everything. Yeah. Thanks everybody. Take care. Have yourselves a good week. We'll talk to you. Uh, talk Take to you care. soon. Be Bye. safe. Bye.